Hello everybody, welcome to the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. Uh, and I'm not. And we are 25-year veterans of Wall Street who have taken on secret identities, gone underground, in order to provide you our candid views on a handful of stocks out of each week's Value Line Investment Survey. You've seen our faces on TV, you've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unvarnished views on the air, so we disguise our voices in there. Never know. This week we look at the December 4th, 2009 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey. And before we get to that, a couple of caveats. This show is for entertainment purposes only, if only our own. Uh, and uh, we may have many conflicts of interest. I'm being entertained. So, and our family is, but few others. Uh, we hope to give you some good advice on the show, but it's after work. We're having a few beverages. We're just hanging out reading Value Line. See all our caveats at www.thevalueguys.com. And also, I just mentioned, if you're a Facebook person... Sometimes I put up uh, links to the show even before it's really air ready, uh, and you can find me there as Val Hughes on Facebook. Uh, I'm going to be back at the back half of the show to talk about three uh, subjectively outstanding ideas this week. SAIC, which is a government, uh, basically uh, technical services provider. Equifax, I've talked about before. Uh, and the Brinks Company, which is, looks like it's been pretty well left for dead, and it's a great brand, etc. Before we do that, I want to introduce with a great deal of ado this week, for reasons that have to do with uh, glorious decorations that I'm looking at at his house, Vern Value. Vern, take it away. Wow, it's two, yeah. weeks, two weeks in a row that I get... Top, uh, top. Well, your honors. your behavior is really starting to turn around. Oh, you think yeah, so? Yeah. Well, I get emails. You know, they're like, "Why is Vern so cranky?" That sort of thing. I'm like, I, I think it's because it's that sad period between Thanksgiving and Christmas where he, Vern's gets bored, and he, he, you know, so I don't know. But anyway. Well, I'm real excited because uh, probably our only our most dedicated listeners would realize that tonight is the third anniversary of my uh, pioneering of doing the uh, stocks in page number order. And uh, I'm going to do that again tonight mm -hmm. in honor of that uh, special occasion. Can I and jump in with something there, Vern? <laughs> sure, Val. That's a complete lie. <laughs> <laughs> if there's anyone, I mean, you can go and check USPTO.org. No, really <clears> I have order. a trade. I know you are, but I have a trademark on... Mm -hmm. Doing page number order on the value, guys. It's at it's it's at the trademark office. Trademark, so trademark, don't try trademark to office. swipe that. Look, I uh, 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 have concerns about whether uh, the uh, economy will seem to be recovering six months from now. But uh, uh, why I, why why would you be concerned? Why would I be concerned? Yes. Why would you be concerned? I'm yes. Not sure what is going to is, the developing world is going to provide all of the what growth on a global basis they're going to be the driver so what? now no because it can't be the american consumer no the it's going to be wherever there's population wherever there's population growth okay. and those people are it's moving to a higher world. productivity per sure. capita but we're still striving for that here there's 5000 years of human history 
There's talking, a great exhibit at a local college about, about this. Over a very short period of time. It's just yeah, my right. hunch that six months from now we'll be more skeptical about the durability and sustainability of recovery. Well, we the banks, there. I suppose, are a risk. But, uh, uh, animal anyway, spirits. But, but I was, what I was spirits. going to say is what I don't have any doubt about is that the trucking industry will be the first reflection of that kind of recovery. And so I want to own truckers now. Uh, especially if I can buy quality companies in a well, consolidated wait, 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 industry. Wait a minute. What if the first parts of the economy to grow are uh, service industry uh, where there's no trucking? Just a thought. I don't know. For okay. example, medical. So, like what medical? Kind of services? Medical uh, services? Uh, information services where people are working, consulting. Medical services and knowing more about the medical services right. that they're getting. Education. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Healthcare, the whole computerization of healthcare. There's just people emailing each other okay, or using Google Docs. You don't need it. Twenty percent of the economy. So what else you got? What's that? What's twenty? That's less than twenty percent of the economy. I'm just saying, trucks may not be the first place to look, my friend. That's all I'm it saying. It will be among the first industry to see things change in their numbers. Part of the enthusiasm about where the economy is going is the fact that the numbers have been going up for the trucking industry since about March, I think. Uh, well, inventory is being replenished, right? Wouldn't you say? I mean, people... Well, it being diminished at a decelerating rate. Improves uh, with... trucking year over year. I'm sorry? Improves trucking year over year. Right, as yeah, you know, of we go forward. Yeah, that'll continue to... Yeah, so, I there's agree. There's recovery underway. Right? Are we arguing about that? Because been... I completely agree. Stocks have been beat up recently because of concern that, oh, we, you know, 3-plus percent GDP growth in the third quarter isn't sustainable. Yeah, it's not even sustainable in the third quarter because they revised the number down, down to 2A. Yeah, yeah. So, um, will you be know, fine. It's, it's understandable the stocks have come off of where they were recently. And I think that presents an opportunity. Um, and so I wanted to go looking for something. And I was, I've, I, I don't think it's, you know, unusual that one of the first places I'd look for an opportunity in the trucking industry is among those competitors of YRC Worldwide that might benefit or been benefiting at least um, in a market share way from the deteriorating uh, financial situation there. That's the old yellow freight combined with roadway. Combined with roadway, which was going to create a trucking juggernaut. But But instead um, it nearly went bankrupt. Well, they have a, it actually did. Right, yeah. Yeah, went bankrupt. Yeah, yeah. so I I think recently it did. You know, maybe technically... It remains out temporarily or something. but um, And so it turns out, as best I can find, the uh, beneficiary and the uh, uh, value line analyst correctly points to it, I think, uh, appears to be Conway, uh, formerly known as CNF, uh, which... Uh, let's Consolidated see. Freight, right? Yeah, the old Con... Yeah. Why is everyone changing their name? I don't get that. Uh, well, it's, it's Consolidated Freight, and they merged with something... And part of the condition of, you know, they renamed it as doing that, um, I think. Anyway, 60% of revenue, uh, almost three-quarters of operating income is the less-than-truckload carrier. So, you know, it's not LTL. filling a trailer with something yeah. and trucking it from <clears throat> Kansas City to L.A. It's picking up a bunch of stuff all over Kansas City and taking it to destinations all the way along to L.A. Or... Just around the greater Kansas City Around area. Kansas City. Right. Yeah. So less than truckload. You've got a couple pallets. You need to ship them to uh, your customer. You know, this this is your company. 
Um, their uh, tonnage per day was up 5 plus percent in the third quarter of 2009 uh, in an industry where uh, industry volume was uh, substantially weaker than that. They don't, uh, my line analyst doesn't actually quote a number, but uh, that's clear implication of what they're talking about. Uh, they also have a truckload business, uh, which is uh, just 10% of revenue and also earning its way, though, 20% of operating income. Um, and they've got some other peripheral operations, which might be a source of uh, liquidity if you needed it at some point in time. They don't right now. They do have $900 million of debt, but they have over $400 million of cash and an equity market cap of $1.6 billion. Value line shows one five. The stock's actually above 32 right now instead of under 31. Other people apparently see an oppor uh, opportunity here. Uh, quality performance over a 10-year period of time with operating margins in the teens. Um, return on capital. Uh, it looks like it is ranging cyclically from 5 to 18% and maybe averaging in a low double-digit number. So, uh, you know, it's a volatile business. Um, you know, high amplitude in terms of what the cycle does, etc. But uh, looks like a quality name. Stock earlier this year, 48, okay? So we're talking about, looks like sometime in the summer, has come in by a third uh, because of, you know, weak industry fundamentals and uh, really very, very, very little improvement in terms of, uh, you know, what's happening fundamentally in terms of freight demand. Um, my understanding, as I recall, is that pricing has uh, started to, uh, price declines have started to moderate. Maybe pricing is firming a little bit across the industry. Uh, good news today. Uh, Heavy-duty truck orders were disappointing. That means capacity is being added at a slower-than-expected rate. So that's positive for, uh, uh, for pricing going into the first half of next year. And so um, I've got an enterprise value here of $2.1 billion. You've got to love the valuations in this industry. Um, it, depending on whether you look at what value line estimates for 2009 or look backwards at 2008, they, uh, you know, wildly different annual EBITDA gives you basically a, a multiple range of four to six times. So what's the opportunity here? Well, my operating results are depressed cyclically, and my valuation is as well. If I'm between four and six times, if I go back to a random mid-cycle period uh, from the last decade, uh, range for the year six to eight times. Is there something wrong? Uh, it seems oh, to not be recorded. Shit. We're not recording. But we are here, so just keep going. Okay. I think I might have, yeah, what uh, have you. misspoken myself there, and I apologize for that. Um, so let's say, we'll see, we have uh, Conway. And uh, as I was doing the work uh, to arrive at Conway, I was looking for something to benchmark the valuation against to see if, you know, is this six to eight and four to six times argument seemed to make sense. And I found some evidence of, uh, uh, of that, but... While I was looking for it, I came across Werner Enterprises. <clears throat> this company is a, a substantial player in the temperature-controlled truckload market. They're a truckload carrier, not less than truckload like Conway. So this is not part of the you know yellow roadway uh, story. But uh, you know the industry again. We're talking about very low multiples historically, brutal competition, 
low barriers to entry. It's really a commodity service, so you have low multiples. This company, mid-cycle, was four to six times enterprise value to EBITDA this last cycle. But right now, depending on which number you want to use, it's between five or down to two times EBITDA. Two times. Two times. Two times. I, the Werner family owns 40% of the business. Uh, chairman and CEO Clarence Werner. Oh, Clarence has got to be just like steaming about this. Can you imagine two times EBITDA? Uh, talk about a lack of respect. This is a good company. Uh, you know, their return on capital story here is a little thinner, but also a little less volatile because they're in several markets uh, and has ranged from about 7 to 11%. So you're talking about, you know, them being the marginal competitor. Are right? you doing just one idea this week? Then? Uh, no, I did Conway oh, and okay. did Werner. So I've got yeah. two trucking companies. I set out to, you know, to bring bring you one, but... You can Warner, take some of my time. You've gotten woefully off track, Fern. No, I've got one left, and you've got one half. You think you can do it in a minute and a half? Oh, I think if you get out of my way, son, well, I can well, You go ahead and try. Okay. Uh, this is Panera Bread, and you know, I a lot of people listening to this have probably had the opportunity to eat one. I mean, uh, uh, there. Where are they? Well, there's several over in Jersey. Um, you know, like Hoboken, places like that. Ah, um, yeah. I think yeah let's head over. That sounds uh, great. There's no. a recent entry into Manhattan, but... They have come um, in. PNRA. This is a, if you don't know them, they operate also under the name St. Louis Bread. And they have uh, 562 company-owned, 763 franchised stores that are a combination bakery and sandwich shop. And they sell soups and salads, sort of a health the oriented kind of menu uh, and do it very, very well. And basically hmm. the story here is market leader, eight to nine times EBITDA in 32 states. Hey, can grow 50% and still have a couple states left over. So do they have a bar? A lot of room to grow. Um, very solid return on capital profile. Uh, no debt. So they're funding all of their expansion internally. And so they control their own destiny. PNRA, the stocks come in a lot relatively you should take advantage of it. And with that, I got two truckers and a bread company. I'm going to turn it over with a deflecting, deflecting back, a great deal of a do. What? Well, since when are you giving a do? Well, you do I've page number order, claim it's your own. Now own. you're doing a do. Oh, okay. Come on, get your All own right. stuff, right, man. Get my own stuff. Jeez. Maybe a toast. Do a, a toast. toast. Yeah, a toast. do a toast. You could be. You could do all the toasts. I'm gonna work on this. For yeah, the next have show, a okay. stick. I mean, do some toasts. I don't know. I, are you gonna? Are we toasting? Yeah. All right. Jeez. Oh, wow. I like turning to, it over to values. Have you ever broken a glass on a like a very zestful yes, I toast? Actually, I, yeah. It's fun, isn't it? No. All right. I'm gonna do three ideas this week, as I do every week. This is Val Hughes. Uh, this week, you need a table content. You might want to do no, yours and page number order as well. I, that's my. That's I always have. You know why? It's for the listener, for people paging along. You don't want to be shuffling all through them. Um, I took a look. Was three oh nine, by the way. I took a look at every stock in Value Line this week. I just I set up my screen in a really efficient way, and I was able to just click, clickety click all through there. So I've really taken a careful uh, look this week. Although I, let's see. You know what? I actually didn't take that careful of a look of the maritime industry. 
frankly, I just passed. I thought that was a lot of overcapacity. So I just passed. The, the supply is very inflexible. That's my point. Right, that's all you need. And there's a lot of ships being built right now because oh, they take goodness. three years and they started them two years oh. ago. It's a nightmare. Okay. Then you got air transport. I mean, they've taken a lot of capacity out. There could be some plays there, but it's so freaking volatile. Nobody ever makes money at that. I don't want to do that. So I almost went to the restaurants, and I have in the past argued that CEC, which is Chuck E. Cheese, it's like part of the fee is just babysitting, which is unique, and then there's pizza. So I, but I didn't do yeah, that this week. Yeah, this is week. another good early cycle. Space. Yeah, I think so. And then kids have birthdays. They go. It's not a cycle thing on that one. But I, I didn't do that one. Uh, I ended up really focusing in industrial services where you have guys that are doing unique stuff that is apt to be in an area of the economy that's gaining share. So, you know, cycles go up and down. Great companies sort of come out the other side better, and this is a good time to be shopping around. First up this week, SAIC, ticker SAI. I really, I've only vaguely heard of this. I do not own this one. They provide scientific engineering systems, integration, and technical services and solutions to various branches of the U.S. military, agencies of the U.S. Department of Defense, the intelligence community, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, and other government civil agencies, state and local government agencies, foreign governments, and uh, I'm just reading Value Line, but what that tells me is basically the only sectors gaining share of the economy they serve, which is government. And I've ranted on this in a past show how government employees are the only ones getting raises and you know they make more than we do, et cetera. But it, the, the point is, let's try to take advantage of that. These guys are providing very special technical services to uh, a branch of the economy that's gaining share. That's wind at your back, and I like that. So I'm looking at their returns very stable over time in the 14-15% range. Their cost of capital has to be, I mean, if you look at a bank CD even, which I look at credit, you know, sort of cost of capital versus equity because with low valuations, it's smart to use debt as capital, not uh, equity. And so there's a giant spread and it's very stable. Uh, and then I look at their operating margin, which has been rock solid around 8%. So it suggests to me they're in some kind of cost plus environment. If their margin is so stable, they're not taking risk of variable and fixed costs. So it must, or you'd see some fluctuation. Uh, I'm also seeing their revenues go up at a pretty rapid pace. Uh, they were $8 billion a few years ago. They're going to be $11 billion. They're rolling right through this recession. So they must have friends in government. And in a cost-plus environment, 8% seems reasonable to everyone. And yet they've organized their assets in a way that they're generating these terrific returns on capital. They lever it a little bit, and you get a low 20s percent return on equity. I mean, very stable. Now, they don't give you any of their money back. There's no dividend. But they do buy stock, and that suggests they do know a little something about uh, paying back shareholders. And then the valuation right now is seven times EBITDA. So I'm looking at an enterprise value of, uh, you know, I've got an equity value of $7.2 That's just the shares times the current price. I'm going to add the debt and subtract the cash, but in this case, those offset. It's about $3 in total debt per share, $3 in cash. So I've got an enterprise value of about $7.4 billion. I've got an 8.5% margin on $11 billion in sales. Just call that a billion just because I don't have a calculator. Seven times, and one over that is going to be my EBITDA yield uh, going forward, which, again, no calculator. That's about 14%, and that's pretty good when treasuries pay 
4%. And this isn't a treasury, but if you're selling to the guys who are issuing treasuries and they want to pay you, isn't that kind of like having a treasury? You know, I don't know. But anyway, I like it. In terms of any of the details, why get into any of that? But I will, just a little bit. I'm just going to say what Value Line is saying. Well, say. that's kind of short-term thinking, too. You're talking about marginal returns on capital by using, you know, marginally assumed debt in at really low levels. Well, I mean, for, okay, I'll say it another way. 14 15% returns on capital in a very stable uh, level is good in any era we've ever been in, so you could say it that yeah, way too. That. Right now, the spread is particularly large, so to the extent that uh, the Fed is going to continue to keep rates low, you know, there's going to be inflation down the road, obviously, with all this money pouring out, but and and you know, low interest rates actually drive people to borrow more than they might need to, and then a lot of that goes into stupid things that don't return. But right now, you just need to overcome fear with the lure of very cheap money, and so they're doing that right now. But these are the kinds of guys that'll get that all passed along. All their contracts will be you know CPI indexed and all that because they're a government uh, you know provider. Um, all Value Line really has to say here is that things seem to be going well. Uh, their backlog is up two to four percent. Again, that's GDP or better in this period. Um, and then they speculate that uh, with the government you know, growing, this company's apt to be growing, and I heartily agree. And it's a cheap price for that sort of stability. You know, This administration is going to be in uh, at least the next couple of years, and uh, going forward, I think this valuation is going to move up. Next up, Equifax, EFX, page 383. And Vern, thanks for letting me give the page numbers. Appreciate that. Um, you didn't have to license that uh, to me, so it's nice. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. you acknowledging that. Yeah, yeah, it's all lies. <laughs> uh, my theme on Equifax is that Equifax. Equifax. I have talked about it. These guys are in the business of trying to measure credit risk. Okay, and while they all failed, I think I talked about. Uh, Fair Isaac, you know, the inventors of the FICO score that didn't work. These guys had equally bad models that didn't work. But they've got smart guys fixing the models. People clearly need, you know, the prediction of whether people are going to be creditworthy. Well, the models and, probably worked. It was the inputs that were lousy. Well, I mean, what, what have you. They were all discredited because none of the scoring was really very accurate. But I think it's still kind of the best thing you have, and the need for this is going up. Their business is way down. I mean... Um, you know, not as much as you might fear, but it's down from a billion nine to a billion eight this year. So what have you, a little bit. I like their operating margins, which if they really were bad, they wouldn't be earning 38% operating margins. So wow. that says proprietary. Wow. Uh, because that, you know, in a cost plus environment, somebody can't do something if these guys are getting their price. There must be a giant fixed asset. Uh, well, their returns on capital are solid uh, mid-teens, which I like, and they lever it a little bit into the upper teens and low 20s. And that just means that they're taking a little fee. So for their ability to predict the creditworthiness of the next customer, you know, I don't know the numbers here because I didn't do the calculation, but of the total fee to the Visa guys, which might be 4% or something like that, these guys might get a quarter of 1% or something to do their little model on the creditworthiness of that customer, whether to accept or deny, what have you. And that adds up to a lot of money 
and uh, and there's only a you know a handful of people that do it. So yeah, it's a bucket, but it's the Atlantic. Yeah, and so they get their price. I guess is my yeah. point. The value to the user, according to Value Line, they're struggling in the near term. Uh, imagine that demand for their services is down because consumer spending is down. Revenues are down 10, 13%, it says here. But they've got some new products they're selling directly to consumers. They've got enormous databases, so they're selling credit products to consumers who might want to know more about their credit. Um, importantly, uh, they have a you know, big international business, 25% in Europe, and who knows? They've got credit problems, so at least they're diversified internationally. Um, they have some new products that uh, to businesses that give work and in, time, yeah work in income history. You know, as the government requires businesses to you know be more familiar with all the details of their employees, including their immigrant status and all that, and their taxes and et cetera. These well, guys have all really the software any limit on what they want to want to know. I don't know, but and these, might yeah they might know, know it. And, and these guys are building the databases to do that. So Equifax. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to get into very much more detail because I don't know very much more. But they're going to grow at a decent well, rate. Enterprise value to EBITDA, six to seven times. That's, you know, what? It's 15% cash on cash return. If they grow at 8%, that's a 23% return. I like that. It's It may take a long time. So, again, value investing is sometimes just knowing how to buy something and then go to the beach for a long time. Next up, the Brinks Company, ticker BCO. Value Line doesn't even rate this, I guess, because they spun out their home security business uh, last fall. So the stock in 08, so the stock went from, you know, uh, 70 to uh, 20 in large part because they spun out this Brinks home security, which you probably saw on TV and all that. Now they're just the pure Brinks trucks that drive around and bring cash to people. And, uh, you know, that's down because the frequency of the need to do it is down because the economy's <laughs> down. I mean, this all makes a lot There's of sense. They've got 70% of their business is international. I like that diversification. I think they're just tied into the world economy. You know, there's, a guess, a risk that everyone's going to have a PayPal button on their iPhone and no one will be using okay, cash. global economy grows 3%. Yeah, but I mean, there's whole areas of the world that, you know, still like to have cash and banks and coins that weigh a lot and bags with people with guns that take them somewhere. So these guys are going to be in business. 70% is over in the rest of the world. It's three to four times EBITDA. That, to me, that's 25% to 33% cash on cash return. They've got brand and they are uh, selling into a market that's growing and they clearly have the credibility to have share there. Uh, their ROI has been, you know, in the all over the map, but never below 10. Right now they're running at 18. They lever it a little bit. 20% returns on equity. Uh, I like this one. It's They buy stock. It's just, again, you're going to have to be patient till people figure this out. Big discount. The Brinks Company, page I'm take a look at that one. 324. And, uh, you know, occasionally they buy stuff that doesn't work out, but it's cheap enough to buy. My favorite one this week, Vern, is going to have to be, uh, they got a lot to choose from. I like this government one, SAIC. I mean, Brinks is okay, too, because you just have to wait. They're all good this week, honestly. I, I don't own any of them, and I will be looking at them. But I'm going to go with SAI. I'm going to go with Werner. Uh, I, I mean, two times EBITDA on a trailing basis. Uh, how many years will it take them to get back Nice to one. the same? Bye, everyone.